We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the show. It's Ivy Nation Sports Talk. We're up and rolling, along with Vince D'Addario, Sean Styers. You are uh, dressed a little bit nicer than I thought you would. Did you have a snow day today, or did you go to work? Oh, I was at work all day. Okay. All day long. And, I thought, and I thought my, everyone had a snow day in the oh, area, from what I not saw this morning. in the city. The outskirt like, communities all had either a delay or uh, whatever, but like... Mishawaka, Penn, Elkhart, you know, we were all in school for some reason. Of course, the roads got worse as the day went on, so it wasn't actually that bad going to work. Coming home was a little bit different. I, I actually got a compliment on my outfit by my wife today, so I feel really? pretty good about it. So, got the navy blue dress pants, some snazzy blue socks, uh, you know, feeling Fancy Vince. Feeling Fancy it today. Vince. I know. wasn't wearing, you know, like the school polo and all that. No, no. I went a little bit, you know, more, uh, you know, salesman look, I think. But, By the way, you know, no offense to your new employer. By all means. But after what? Somewhere around. How long did you did you work for the school corporation? Somewhere around 15 years, yeah. maybe something yep. like that. It was, I think it was exactly 15. Yeah. Very odd to see you. You know, out you know, embracing like trumpeting, trumpeting pen things, and I know. you know, <laughs> I know I, you're not wrong. You are not wrong because until you're on the inside, you have to hate, and I did with a with exactly. a passion. I know, I know they pay your bills now, but it's still very odd. You know, I know you're not wrong, and it is very odd to see certain things hanging in my closet and having the allegiances that I do now. And I think it all started for me though. When my son started to participate in athletics, and I was still pretty staunch. He was even there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I was staunch last year. I didn't get anything. Like there was, I I refused to buy apparel, and I would actually (laughs) go to the events wearing Riley gear. I bet that went over well too. Yeah, I was that guy. You know what I mean? And so here's city trash in here. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. So. I mean, I have pictures of myself at the sectional championship with my son, arm around him. He's wearing the full, you know, gear, and I've got my Riley stuff on. So, right, you know, 
I am loyal to a fault, baby, where, wherever the paycheck's coming from. Well, you're I'm neutral loyal. today. I mean, you know, you I could am. wear neutral stuff still or wear something Notre Dame for that matter. It is true. I have worn uh, the pullover you got me to school before. Oh, okay. When it was warmer right. out because it's short sleeve. But right. I, did, I have worn it. Good spring pullover. Yes, 100%. Well, before we get going with the mailbag today, when I see we've already got some good questions going, yeah, a do. couple things. I don't know if you saw this come across your email inbox today, but uh, we're going to get a couple uh, media opportunities I with did. some of the new players coming up, which is you very wanna exciting. Talk, you want to talk about like completely different <laughs> from the from the last regime? Yep. Okay. Completely. We're going to get a day with all the transfers, which is awesome. And then we're going to get a day with all the early enrollees. Like, yeah. we're just rolling them out. Yep. Just ask whatever you want. A week from Friday, February 3rd, we get the four transfer guys. And then a week after that, February 10th, we get all 12 freshman early enrollees. Shocking. So, I, mean, I mean, I, I actually, I, was, I opened the email. I was like, whoa. I got, <laughs> because the, the title of the email is like media availability for football. I was like, well, what what's there to be available? Like, what's going on? I click on it shocked absolutely shocked so and decaf yes. 18 says i still hate pen after 30 years out of high school and i don't blame you decaf i do not blame you at all i will also say that i had i coached or taught at every south bend high school at one point or another yeah. and i had plus true middle hatred, school <laughs> plus middle school right yeah i had true hatred for the other south bend schools while i was at a different south bend school until i donned those colors right so it's all about where your loyalties lie right yeah. i mean and i mean you know derek says i'm calling you a traitor yeah i don't know if i'm going that far but at the I same mean, time it's like considering it. you did work for all of the south bend school yeah. corporation schools it's like one thing they all have in completely in common is everybody hates pen you know if you're not at pen rightfully so, so. believe me <laughs> rightfully so it's the kingdom it is. They have a lot of advantages that the other schools around here just don't have. And we can get into that all you want, but it is, uh, it's not fair at times. You know what I mean? The, the Northern Indiana Conference, which is the conference that all the South Bend schools in Penn reside in, right? They go from Penn High School and Elkhart High School as the biggest, right? Mm -hmm. At about 33, 3,400 kids, all the way down to Bremen and marion and saint joe at like 500 600 kids it makes no sense no sense whatsoever now right. marion and saint joe you can kind of explain away because they're catholic schools they can do some things a little bit differently but the bremens the john glens the gym towns of the world those schools are tiny in comparison it's just yeah. it's just not fair Hard to see them in the same conference, all these small towns, when they decided yeah. to merge the conferences. And, of course, they've got divisions and all that kind of stuff. It's just it's night day different. But there's no other school the size of Penn. Up. Right. They're, they're a big fish in a small pond. I mean, there's yeah. just no two ways about it. Yeah. Their competition generally, generally comes from the DAC, you know, the Doonland Conference, and then, frankly, you know, South Indianapolis schools. Right. Right. All right, we'll hit the like button if you would. And, of course, subscribe, rate, review, leave a five-star comment if you're listening on the <laughs> podcast channels. We do appreciate it. But And I know this is not what anybody really wants to hear, but <laughs> Tommy Guns is asking. 
Now, how many, who would he say, how many schools are there? How many high schools are there? City isn't that big. There are four South Bend high schools that are part of the South Bend Community School Corporation. There's right. one school named St. Joe uh, that is a private school. So those are the five the in Catholic South schools. Bend. Yeah. Yeah. Those then, are of the course, you've got in. Mishawaka High School, yeah. which is, you know, neighboring, not in South Bend. But yeah, in terms of South Bend itself, four public high schools plus the Catholic school. Then you've got Mishawaka, Mishawaka Marion, the other Catholic school where you went. And then yep. right outside of that, you've got Penn High School. Yeah. And Penn so. is technically in Mishawaka um, as right. well. So, which is weird. Which is weird. I, the Osceola is literally like across the river. Yeah. And Granger is like, you know, 100 yards in the other direction. So, uh, but yeah, I think there's, I want to say 13 NIC schools. So there's 13 schools within the conference. So, anyway, yeah. it's enough high school football from the area. Folks, but although if you throw a mailbag question in, and we'll answer it. <laughs> All right, well, let's get down to it. Brass tacks, it's mailbag time. Let's answer some questions. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. John, how hard is it going to be for Notre Dame get to get down to 85 scholarships by fall? We're at 94 right now, right? I was actually going to double check uh, to see where Notre Dame was right now. I was going to look at uh, Brian's scholarship chart uh, article that he has, which is generally up to date last time I checked. And I thought... Yeah. I know it's little, right around that number. I haven't. It's been a little like, over ninety, I believe. Yeah. Uh, according to his article, they have ninety-one. 
and it was last updated on January 19th. So that was what, six days ago. So I think that's about as accurate as you're going to get. So 91, that means they got to lose six. They're going to be way under that. Um, I don't think that that's going to be a problem in any way, shape, or form. I think you're going to see some transfers uh, that we already kind of, we don't know about, but some guys that I would anticipate transferring. Right. There's we expect a, depth, depth yeah. type guys to leave 100%. Still. 100%. Uh, I think there's going to be a couple uh, injury scholarships. You know, they go on permanent, uh, you know, injured reserve. And so they get to keep their scholarship, but they're not part of the 85 anymore. And then I think there's going to be a couple of kids who just become regular Notre Dame students. And they're just not a part of the football program anymore. And so I think they're going to be under the 85. And I think that's going to allow them to hit the portal again. Well, that's what I was going to say. The question is. Yeah. What will they do portal-wise when yeah. some of this stuff happens in May when the portal opens back up again? I, I think that they're going to still be in somewhat hot pursuit of a defensive tackle. Uh, there's talk of, depending on how the spring goes, if they're going to look at a guard, potentially, uh, an offensive guard. I don't, I don't get that. But I don't get that either. guys they've got on that I line. Know. Like, I mean, I literally, it's like there are 20 guys in that room almost. <laughs> it's like, what do you, what do you need to go out and get another guard for? They did that a couple years ago. It didn't work out. You know, yeah. it shocks me that that would be the case. And I think there's a lot of talent in that room, too. Yeah, especially exactly. at the guard position, because I think they've kind of over recruited guard and maybe under recruited tackle, if, if I'm being honest. So or at least interior, well, it's where I, it's where you're going to see a difference in Harry Heastan's recruiting philosophy, because Agreed. his and I used to talk about this when Jeff Quinn was still here. Quinn would go more like he would recruit actual interior linemen, whereas he stand by and large, I'm not saying there weren't exceptions, but he would typically like get, you know, you played tackle in high in high school, but he would also find guys who would, you know, project to the interior positions and that yeah. kind of thing. So he was getting a lot more tackles. It's basically find the best guy and then find a way to get him on the line once they're here. It's kind of like right. You know, again, I've used this analogy before in in baseball. Typically, you go out, you recruit all the best shortstops. Yeah, And then once, you know, like if it's college, for example, once they get to college, maybe one of them becomes a first baseman. Maybe one yep. of them becomes an outfielder. Another moves to second base, that kind of thing. Get the best athletes and then figure out where you're going, where they where they fit in once you get there. So I think we'll see more of that with Harry Heastan going forward, kind of back to what he was doing previously. Yep, I completely agree. And uh, from what I can gather as well, the 24 class isn't super strong on offensive linemen, period. So it's going to be interesting to see what kind of haul they can bring in. There's not a ton of scholarships that they've offered out there on the offensive line. But numbers-wise, I think they're fine, uh, you know, it, there. But, yeah, as, as far as, we, you know, getting back to the question, they're not going to have any problem getting down to 85. I think they'll be down to, like, 81 or 82 uh, when it's all said and done at the end of the spring. And so they're going to be able to hit the portal if they need to for whatever they feel they need to hit it. Uh, and I think they're going to they they'll have the ability to offer, you know, some scholarship opportunities to some walk ons. I think that's a possibility as well. Yeah, I concur. I see all kinds of questions. I know there's a ton of good ones, actually. Yeah, and some goofy ones, which I like. <laughs> I'm in a that, one, that one was from John. I, I don't think I've ever seen Josh buffalo the motivational business banker oh yeah before. so we'll throw Josh i thought he was the motivational buffalo. business speaker before now he's a banker i don't know what's oh, okay all right so he says projecting hartman as the starter what's your prediction for passing yards and touchdowns this season also 
who will have the most receiving touchdowns this season? Oh, man. That's a loaded question. Big predictions. Right <sighs> up the All right. Let's see here. Because we know it's – well, I guess I won't say we know it's not going to be a tight end, but we know it's not going to be Michael Mayer, who basically I, <laughs> held down all the shocked. receiving stuff the last couple of years. But, I yeah. would be shocked if he if, if it's a tight end. I, I mean, wouldn't you? Yes. Yeah. Now but that's what makes it hard to figure out is because there's so many other guys with, you know, you know, some with a little more experience than the other, but who's going to, who's going to elevate and become the true alpha. Yeah. I think that's yeah. the toughest part of this question. Yeah. And I, so going back to Sam Hartman, his stats the last couple of years. So 22, he had 3,700 yards, 38 touchdowns, 21, he had 4,200 yards and 39 touchdowns. In 20, he had 2,200 yards. So he doesn't have the running game, or he didn't have the don't running game. Don't forget he missed some games. games. Right. No, no, no. Absolutely. Yeah, 2020, I don't even really – the last two years, 37 and 42, I think is what we have to look at, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and he had 38 and 39 touchdowns, respectively. So he didn't have the running game that Notre Dame has. I, I mean, they're going to run the ball more this year than he's ever had. I think that goes without saying. I would look, I think a successful season would be about 3,500 yards. So that would be lower than the last two years and about 35 touchdowns. I think that, I think that'd be fantastic. I think that'd be exciting. I, if I was putting the over under, I probably put it at like 31 and a half, something around there. I, I, I mean, gosh, if he hits 38 or 39 touchdowns, I think that's amazing. Okay. I just want to temper my expectations a little bit. So I'll say 3,500 and like somewhere between 32, 35 touchdowns. I think that's a safe bet. What do you think? Yeah, I completely agree with that ballpark. That's what I'm thinking. You know, like Ian Book had over 30 touchdowns in his best season. Uh, So I agree with what you're saying. Notre Dame is still going to run the ball and that's going to be a big part of it. So that'll take up some of it and the other part of it is you know will Tyler Buckner to some extent be involved you know like potential red zone you know we don't know that that's going to happen but it could happen if you're going to keep Tyler Buckner you know kind of part of things so I'll just yeah I I think at least 32 touchdown passes is pretty solid and I was going to say 34 3500 yards for him in terms of the touchdown leader oh that's so hard I know. I'll just go with Jaden Thomas because of the returning guys, he was the most productive of this receiving group. And, and, you know, and like found the end zone a couple times with his size and everything. And so I think that he could potentially be a guy who Sam Hartman comes in with right away and maybe kind of has that connection. And, you know, I think, you know, we've all talked about his production potentially sure. taken off this year. So it's it's really it's almost like throwing a dart <laughs> at the wall because, again, I don't think there's a wrong answer. There's so much think. inexperience. I think yeah. that, yeah, I think you could find just about uh, you could make a case for just about any of them. I think I'm going to you know what? I'm going to probably take a safe pick here and I'm going to go with Caleb Smith, the, the transfer, mm. just because he has all of that experience yeah. and I think he and Hartman will hit it off pretty quickly uh I just you know Caleb Smith is used to not having great quarterback play 
And now he's going to have it in Sam Hartman. I think Sam Hartman's going to look to a veteran. I mean, not that he's not going to look to the other guys. I just, I feel like he's going to be real comfortable with a veteran guy that he knows is going to be able to make plays for him. So again, it's shooting a dart, man. Uh, It's, I I don't know what the answer is going to be. I'm just, I'm going with kind of a safe pick, I think. Yeah. Bill Walsh. Not a 49ers fan, Bill. He wants to know, would you take a Heisman bet for Hartman if you got 10 to 1 odds? I don't think I got 10 to 1, and I made a bet. I got plus 3,000 odds on him to win so the 10 Heisman. to 1, 10,000? Is, yeah. is that what it is? Is that what – I mean, I'm, I don't know. Right. My betting – I don't know how this works. I think that's that's what it would be, wouldn't it? Plus 10,000? I I'm so bad – at that part, I know what plus three hundred, you know, plus three thousand means. But I would. Uh, I mean, I, you know, it, I like Vince and I are kind of you know the same philosophy when it comes to the wagers. Neither one of us throws down huge chunks of no. cash, but for a little bit of money, if you get good to one, you know, good odds like that, like you know, you bet ten to one. If you bet ten, you get a hundred bucks. I like that. You bet 20, you get 200. You know, I would take those odds. Oh, like, I would too. That's, that's I, an easy bet, you know. And even look, if you were to throw down 100 bucks, if you were confident enough, you know, you get 1,000 out of that. So, sure. I, I put a bet down, not on Sam Hartman, but I put a bet down on Notre Dame winning the national championship in 23 already. Mm. It was plus 2,500. Why not? Why not? That's I right. Mean, I, it's I, I don't bet a lot of money. And it's literally swinging for the fences. I figure, what the heck? <laughs> so I and I'm looking right now for the uh, the Heisman Trophy. Thank you, Elijah. By odds, the way, ten to one is plus one thousand. Oh, okay. I got even better odds than that. Yeah, you did. You got thirty <laughs> to one, buddy. Yeah. That's uh, that's and, I, and last time I checked, well, Logan he, says ten to one is plus nine hundred, plus three thousand. Is twenty nine to one. Okay, I'll I'll take uh, whatever. It's in the. I'll take your word for it. Either way, got pretty good odds. It's in the neighborhood. I he had the sixth best last time I checked uh, to win the Heisman Trophy. Okay, I mean yeah, I'll, he I'll he opened odds. at plus three thousand after I think it was at yeah after the transfer he opened or he was at plus three thousand anyway. I don't know if he opened at that but after the transfer he was plus 3000 and i think within a week it went to like plus 1500 or something okay like that so okay i think a lot of people like those plus 3000 odds so if you're like me and you were lucky enough to get in on that congratulations oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah you know we'll see i i don't know i i would take it though and i i i'm looking for it i don't even know how to search on here to find you know odds and or I'll look later. Yeah. Lucas, could a linebacker lineup of Kali at Rover, Bertrand at Mike, and Kaiser at Will be effective with Sneed and Leofau rotating in for depth and or certain packages? Yes. So you've got Kali at Rover, Bertrand at Mike, Kaiser at Will. Yeah. I mean, I think that could be very effective. Uh, I think moving Kaiser inside is a good idea. I think a more athletic collie would t- would do a good job out there. I think, you know, maybe even him and Sneed, you know, kind of having a rotation out there. Maybe Sneed also gets a little bit of will. I have no problem with that. I I, I think that 
we'll see what they do with Leofile. I think that's the biggest question mark with this question is what they do with Marist. I just don't know how they feel. Like we see what we see, the fans see what they see, the coaches see what they see. And I think all three of those answers are three <laughs> different things. Yes. And and so exactly. I'm I'm very interested to see what the spring looks like to see where Marist is, is rotating and if he's starting and I all mean, of those different things. I really yeah. am. They obviously continued to feel pretty confident in Leofel, or at the very least that he was the best option that they had for, for a good chunk of the season based on his play, yeah. you know, his, his playing time right now, when it comes to actual production, that's another thing. And I agree with you, you know, like I know that you didn't like the move of, uh, Junior Tui Alamaka to Viper, you would have rather seen Leofau there. And I can't say I completely disagree with that. Yeah. But what do I know? I don't know. Maybe we, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see in the spring because they've already got a history of cross training these guys at different positions. So they kind of have an idea of what they sure. all look like at different positions. Maybe the spring becomes you experiment more with a guy like Marist and you give more of the reps. You know, like at the Rover, you know, whether it's Kali or Sneed or whoever it happens to be, like, you know, like to see what they can do right. at that Rover position. But I, I definitely agree that the one, you know, best best case scenario, one of those two, Kali or Sneed, is the Rover going into next season. And you do have Kaiser playing inside more. I think that that well, would benefit and, everybody. And it's going to be interesting to see how Notre Dame plays their defense because they didn't play with a rover very often this year. They played a that's lot of nickel. Too. They played a lot of nickel. And that's where like Thomas Harper could, you know. Right. Absolutely. Come in. And so that's that's where I think it's going to be interesting. You know, does Al Golden want to play with a rover? Does he want to play with a DB? I mean, you, you had it made in the shade when you had the uh, – uh, most recent Notre Dame Butkus award winner playing the Rover position because he could be out there in the nickel and he could be out there in your base defense. You know, he, he was, he was literally a swing player that you didn't have to take off the field. And that wasn't the case last year. So they pretty much went with the nickel most of the time. So uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how they do it with these young guys getting a little bit more mature, a little bit more confident and we know that they're more athletic than the guys that they had playing there before. So, yeah, I, I'm very interested to see the the maturation of Al Golden's defense with the various personnel as well. Right. Hmm. Little recruiting question from Charles. Justin Uh-oh. Scott just postponed his commitment. Is anyone else <laughs> yes, he did. sick of the emotional roller coaster of recruiting? We get excited just to get let down i'll be the first one to agree with that statement and it is why i could never do ryan's job i couldn't i could not do ryan's job it is an absolute emotional roller coaster all the time and these kids and they're kids right they they hold you like right here and they 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 toy with you you know, I'm going to come visit. I'm going to set my announcement date. No, I'm not. I'm not going to come visit. I'm not going to announce on that day. Right. I need some more time. I'm going to take these calls. I'm not going to take these calls. I'm going to tell these people one thing. I'm going to tell these people another. Well, and people live and die with all of that. I'm not saying the kids are doing it on purpose, 
I'm just saying uh, recruiting is way too like this for me to be involved with. So you're absolutely I, right. Oof. And that's why that's that's why I think both of us, neither one of us has followed it as closely right. as others like Ryan or Brian or whoever, just because there is it's like oh. you're 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 essentially basing your emotions on the whims of 16, 17, and 18 year olds. Crazy. And it's just, and kind of piggybacking on this one, Salty wants to know to what degree have Notre Dame's odds on landing Scott taken a hit over the last two weeks? And, you know, like it's January right now. We still have the actual February signing day to go for this recruiting class, the 20, you know, this year's class, the 2023 class. And then it's next December. Until the next time, like these current guys, like like Justin Scott, can sign, you know, and then you end up with these Peyton Bowen situations when it's all said and done. So that's to me, it's like I wouldn't get too worked up about whether or not they're they're committing right, right. now yeah. in January because what you, I just think a lot can change between now and then. Still, so much. I mean, what have we learned from the last recruiting cycle with Dante Moore and? Uh, Peyton Bowen and I mean all these guys, Keon Keeley that were that you know was yes they're coming to Notre Dame woo and then they go someplace else. I mean you just can't get emotionally invested until you see their name on the dotted line. Period. So yeah, yeah. Uh, and as far as Justin Scott, I don't know that I was all that confident to begin with. You know, I'm on the board just like everybody else, and I read the updates that Brian and Ryan give. Still seems like Notre Dame's in a good spot. So I don't know if it's taking a hit or if it's just going to take longer, and Notre Dame gets to keep working. You know, there's nothing wrong with that either. Just keep working. (laughs) You know, he's worth it. From what I can gather, he's worth it. So let's go. Gavin wants to know, could we start seeing more premier bowl games up north with the 12-team playoff coming in a year? Now, by bowl games, do you mean on-campus playoff games? Is that what you're referring to? Because the the actual bowl games aren't going to move north. But, you know, again, the right. the play like the first round of the playoff games right. are going to be, you know, not necessarily up north, but on-campus sites anyway. Which, they could be. Which could be up north, depending Notre, on who. Notre Dame's you know, first round position. game will. Almost yeah. always, unless they are a lower seed, will almost always be up north because that's where they reside, right? right? No, I don't think that they're going to create new bowl games that will be in the north unless they're at like Ford Field or, uh, you know, whatever's in Indianapolis, Indianapolis these days. Yeah. You know, it's going to have to be yeah. a dome stadium. There's no way they're going to have a premier bowl game, uh, a playoff bowl game in the snow. Yeah, There's just no way. Only the home games yeah, only the home games will be uh, indoor, or, you know, up north or whatever. The bowl games aren't; they're not going to change their locations. Uh, they're gonna; they might change the national championship, you know, to up north. That's fine because it'll be in a dome, that kind of a thing. But I don't think they're going to make up new bowl games. And if they do make them up, they're not going to be premiered. There's not going to be a brand new bowl that m- magically is on par with the Rose Bowl mm-hmm. or the Fiesta Bowl or anything like that. I, I don't see that that happening yeah i agree yeah a couple interesting offensive questions one from john do you think an assume a assumed more potent offense will result in more aggression on defense try to create negative plays 
and turnovers. In other words, mm-hmm. were they playing it safe defensively this year because they didn't trust the offense enough to be able to to keep up, you know, like to win a shootout kind of game? I think this is a great question, to be honest with you. I do too. And I try to look at it as a coach, right? I try to look at it, like, okay, if I'm calling the plays defensively and I call a blitz or I call something fancy to put pressure on or whatever the case may be, a twist, a stunt, or whatever, something with a high degree that might fail. But if it does succeed, it's a huge success, right? You're way more apt to call something like that on the defensive side of the ball, if you've got faith that your offense is going to score a bunch of points because you've got a cushion, you know, you've got mm-hmm. that, that, uh, that safety net, if you will, yeah. on the offensive side. So the defense can be a little bit more aggressive. They don't have to play kind of bend, but don't break. They're not going to be on the field as long, you know, all of those different things. Absolutely. I think the defense just, I mean, gosh, if Notre Dame, let's just, let's pretend, let's be in a dream world and say Notre Dame <laughs> averages 40 points a game. Ooh, man. Okay, 38, 39, 40 points a game. I'm getting and I, but I think that's where you got to be if you want to compete for a national championship. Mm-hmm. I think we've, we've discussed that, right? So if they're doing that and you're a, you're a defense that gives up like 20, <laughs> send the house, have some right. fun. Let's go create turnovers. Like, okay, we actually, we just gave up a touchdown. Offense, go score for us. Yeah, no, I mean, you don't have absolutely. to be. A, you don't have to worry about. Oh, we've got to. You know, we 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 can only allow fifteen points a game or yeah. whatever. You know, yeah, I completely agree. They can be a lot more, a lot more aggressive. I think, and maybe it also allows a little bit of leeway for some of these young guys we're talking about. If you get into that yeah. kind of situation, absolutely. I, it, it just it it definitely felt last year, especially earlier in the season, that. And, I, and I've talked about this before that you have a first time head coach who's a defensive coordinator and uh, with the inexperience of the quarterback and, and just relative uncertainty that came with the offense, like he wanted a more conservative game plan offensively. There were times it opened up a little bit more, but you know, that's, that's, that's more or less what they were looking for. And I definitely think when you have the confidence that you're going to be able to put some points on the board, like 35 to 40 points a game, kind of like you're talking about, you can definitely let it rip a little bit more. So, yeah. Absolutely. And, I, and, I, and I agree. I think that's a really good question. Yep. There was another offensive question. Where did it go? This my, one. My, my daughter's in the chat. Uh, Uh-oh. Which I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. We'll see. <laughs> uh, DJ, does Reese change his red zone play calling with Hartman at the helm. I don't know if he changes it, but I think he can be much more creative with it because I don't think Hartman's going to be the quarterback in the red zone. I think there's a good chance that it might be Tyler Buckner. So I think you're going to see all kinds of fun stuff in the red zone if Tyler Buckner is the quarterback. So, I mean, run pass options, zone read, all that excitement. I, I, I think... I think you're going to see a different Tommy Reese this entire season, let alone in the red zone. So, yes, I will say yes. It does change a little bit. Yeah. I I, I tend to think so as well. And, again, like who knows if maybe we see Tyler Buckner in the red zone. I don't know. But I, I think I, you would hope that with a quarterback like they're getting that 
we're just going to see a completely different looking offense. Like we're going to see a 180. I'm not going to say it's going to look like the first half of the Fiesta Bowl, but sure, sure. Who knows? Because again, stable of running backs who can all catch the football, really good young receivers, pretty good young tight ends. You know, all the all the pass catchers are relatively inexperienced, but there's a lot of talent there, and you've yeah. got a veteran quarterback and a really good offensive <laughs> line. So I can definitely see him open it up. Yeah, I think it'd be a lot of fun. I think you're going to see some creativity out of Tommy Reese as well. And uh, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. It ain't rocket science. Will there be home playoff games for sure, though? Well, the for sure part would be if... So the top four teams get a bye. They're not playing at home. Notre Dame will never be a top four team. So what's what's left, right? You've got eight teams left. So five, six, seven, and eight will all be hosting. Right. So if Notre Dame falls into five, six, seven, or eight, they host. Period. Right. If they're nine, if ten, you're eleven, lower end, yeah. You're going on the road. Right. right. So yeah. that nothing that is, is absolute. Yeah. So that was the proposal that was put out there. Maybe they tweak it, maybe they don't, but that is the way we understand how the twelve team playoff is gonna work. Yeah. I forgot that I need to keep track of our questions for stuff that I have to post. Oh. Later, so. <laughs> I'm scribbling stuff down. I'm trying to remember what we talked about so oh, far. Oh, boy. So, yeah, I know. I know. Here's an interesting one. Seeing Notre Dame's schedule, what's one team you would add and who would you replace them with? Ooh, now that's interesting. We've kind of tossed that around. Like, who would you want to have, like, as a perennial, you know, opponent, you know, that kind of stuff. And, you know, if we're living in reality, right, we have to keep all the ACC teams. But do we live in reality for this question, Sean? What do you think? <laughs> well, considering the uh, – I, I don't think you can take the ACC teams okay. off the schedule. Because, okay. I mean, they're they're part of the schedule for another, what, 13, 14 years. Yes. So, yes. So, they're stuck with that. We know they're stuck with that. We know they're stuck with Stanford, Navy, and USC. Correct. Agreed. So there, I mean, there's still some other, that's, that's only what eight teams right there. So you still right, have so your, four games to play with. Your options are Tennessee state, central Michigan, Ohio state, and Stanford. Yeah. Those are the four. Now as a traditionalist, I'm sorry. And this may upset some people, but I would take Tennessee state off the schedule and literally replace them with anybody. Uh, I don't like that game. I don't either. I always enjoyed the fact that Notre Dame never dipped into the FCS. This level. irks me. It really irks me. I'm that they're going you. to the, and I know they're, you know, I know they're trying to. I know why they're doing sort it. Sort of mask it by the fact that they're going, you know, going with an HBCU right. as the F FCS team. But I still like the fact that they were basically the lone holdout who had never right. played one, and like especially, like I don't care. What you say, people aren't going to look at the fact that you have Ohio State, Clemson, and USC on the schedule. They're going to go, oh, you're playing Tennessee State. Oh, Notre Dame doesn't play anybody. You know? Yeah, it's right. You're going to run the national perception. Sure. Yeah, of course. Even I agree. Al Alabama plays the Citadel, well. right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> now, if Tennessee State was not on the schedule, and let's say it was like a Toledo or a Western Michigan or whatever, right? A, a Mac school of some sort. My next one would be Stanford. I would take them off the schedule. I'm not a fan of that game. I don't like that game. It's not good. <sighs> Dude, talk about replacing a powder puff with, <laughs> you know, 
a team that you could lose to, uh, that would be, that's a massive change. I, I would, you know, I guess, you know, I'm looking at a blue blood that I would want to have, you know, like a Texas, maybe a Tennessee, something like that. Yes, it's a possibility for a loss, no doubt about it, but I'm okay with with doing that. Um, so, yeah, Texas State would be my off, and then Stanford would be my next. Yeah, like I wouldn't mind seeing a Penn State come on the schedule for a couple of years. It's been a long time since we've yeah. seen Penn State. Today's or- a perfect day to have Penn State in town. Snow. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Or, you know, they're, they're, they're plenty like Arizona, you know, like they've played Arizona state a few times, throw Arizona oh. on there, you know, Sean, do a home at home, go to the desert once. Is it wrong that I want to play Arizona state at least once over the next two or three years? Not at all. And that's okay, actually, it's not a bad <laughs> one either. Um, Mick asks if Sam Hartman is matriculated at Notre Dame, Yet I would assume because classes oh, have started, so they, Notre Dame football going to be available out. for us to talk to. Yeah, next a week from Friday. So they they uh, they they the first day that they were on campus, there was a picture of him and Caleb Smith together in the locker room uh, on the on the the football Twitter. So yeah, yeah. Derek says Penn State does nothing for him. I mean, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. There's really nobody who jumps out because Notre Dame has played so many. You know, like. It would be kind of exciting to see an Oregon, but like if we're talking next year specifically, do you really want Oregon and Ohio State and Clemson and USC? It's a on lot. Your schedule. The and goal I, is I realize to get to the playoffs. So taking Tennessee State off and adding any one of the teams that we just talked about, yeah, dramatically increases their strength of schedule, right? And but it also dramatically increases the possibility they're going to lose some games. So you know, what where, where do you weigh that, right? I mean, exactly. The reality is Notre Dame should be about a 30 point favorite over Tennessee State. I, right. You know, that you you really gain nothing. You gain a little PR maybe, but other than that, you're expected to blow them out. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, and you're coming back from Ireland the yeah. week before to go along with it. Yeah. I Yeah. I don't know. There's nothing good about this game for me. Maybe they did that intentionally because they think they can come back from Ireland. and Yeah, how that worked out last year when they came back from Columbus and played Marshall. Yeah. Just saying. I hear you. Logan, what's our confidence on a scale of 1 to 10 that all four of Buckner, Angeli, Minchie, and Carr are on the team in 2024? So that would be Buckner's senior year. It would be Angeli's junior year Minchie sophomore car freshman I will actually the only one of these four that I could see not being on this on the team would be Angeli I think the other four will be here or the other three will be here for sure so really it comes down to do I think Steve Angeli will be on the roster as a junior I'm gonna say yes because I think He's going to stay, get his degree, and then leave to go play someplace. So, and this is, I don't know Steve Angeli from Adam. I I don't. So I don't know what his thoughts are about Notre Dame and the degree and all. I don't. Um, I I guess that's what I would tell my son if he was buried on the depth chart. Hey, stick it out. Get your degree. Have three years to play someplace of At the end of 2023, he's going to be two years in, and he's one year away from his degree. Yep. So you're still going to keep all that eligibility 
Right. You might as well stick it out and get your degree at that point. And then if you want to go someplace else, if it's not looking like you're, you know, it's in the cards for you at Notre Dame to be the starter, go someplace else. But you're, yeah, you're exactly right. Because my initial thought when I saw this, my number was very low. And then kind of hearing you talk through that, I think it makes a lot of sense that they probably are all four here, you know, Mm -hmm. because like if you go from the bottom, Carr and Minchie, they're both going to be, as you said, a freshman and a sophomore. You would expect that they'll both still be here. Things work out with Buckner. We expect we would expect him to be in line to be the starter going into 24. So yeah. you yep. would expect him to be here. And then you're right. The question is Angeli and whether or not he would still be around by what would be, you know, going into his junior season at that point. Yep. But again, absolutely. with all that eligibility remaining. So. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a win-win for him to stick around for three years, get his degree, and then head off. And I and I would not – it'd be like, hey, man, thanks for being here. Go do you, man. I, I would have no issue with him leaving at that point because I think this fall, so 23, I think he's going to be third on the depth chart. And I think it's not going to get much better moving forward. Derek's been a little bit more of a pot stir lately. <laughs> <laughs> he asked, what if Angeli wins the blue gold game again? <laughs> <laughs> that was that is one of my favorite arguments that people put forth last year. So when Buckner goes down and you're, you're talking about, you know, Angeli and when Pine was struggling and all that, well, he won the blue gold game. It was amazing. There was one player on the defense that had any kind of rotation defensively and yeah he scored the winning touchdown no doubt about it against walk-ons and guys that are absolutely buried on the depth chart good for it i you know what if angeli wins the blue gold game again i will stand and i will give him a round of applause and i'll cheer <laughs> and it'll be fun and exciting it means nothing when it comes to the depth chart yeah Running back question from Lucas. Do you feel that if both Diggs and Estime have good injury-free seasons next year, they could both jump to the NFL even with less attempts due to an improved passing game? Mm, what's this continued to? And I don't even know where that one's at. Uh, yes, I do think that that's an absolute possibility. Uh, oh, here we go. And then he finishes it up with uh, they could – both be at the 350 to 400 career carries. Look, when it comes to running back, you have a shelf life. You just do. I mean, history has shown us that there's only so many carries on the legs of a running back. They'll be here for three years. They'll get their degrees. Peace be I was shocked that Blake Corum stayed at Michigan, to be quite honest. Especially, Especially like we were talking about that whole fund. Yeah, like we were talking about that whole fund raising 25 grand like you know again i don't know what his draft evaluation came but you know it's like they don't tell them well you're going to be a sixth or a seventh round guy they just tell you stay in school so but i was shocked because of what you're talking about there's there's only there's only so many carries in the legs and the body look at look at ezekiel elliott yeah my guy right now how different he looks right now compared to three years ago he can't he went off a cliff yes what it feels like you know and I, I had no problem. Um, oh my gosh, what was the running back last year who played? He plays for Kyron Williams. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. I had no problem with Kyron Williams leaving early. I, I no problem. Go do you, man. Like you had your two years of great production at Notre Dame, and 
he got a lot of playing time in the NFL. Like he was ready to go. And so if those two have a legit chance to be uh, contributors at the NFL level and they get good, you know, grades and all that stuff, I have no problem with them leaving. And I think it's a real possibility, but here's the best part about it. That is the most stacked room at Notre Dame. That's fine. If they head out, you'll be losing three running backs that year. Right. They're recruiting really well at that position. Now it's like, and, and it's, you know, as long as, Dylan stays around and who knows how long that'll be before, you know, cause his goal is to become a coordinator and ultimately become sure. a head coach himself. And I think most guys are, but I mean, he's recruiting it really well and developing it really yeah. well right now. Yeah. I look, I would love to have one or both of them stick around till their senior year. I just don't think that that's realistic. So, you know, and I don't blame them. I really but, don't. You know, and again, like it's a good problem to have because <laughs> More guys leaving more regularly after their junior year, even though they're so talented, you would love them to stay, you know, like right. Michael Mayer. The better you recruit, the more it's going to happen. They're, they're, you're you're going to see fewer and fewer guys stay all four years, let alone five years right. and, you know, six years in right. some of these other guys' cases. It's the reality of when you have a good team and you have yes. good production and all of that. It's the reality that we're all going to have to get used to and just be thankful that in football – they have to at least be here for three years. Yeah, exactly. Jeff, given the defensive line is not gap-closing caliber yet, is Hartman good enough on the O side to take this team to the title game and not just make the playoff? D-line is not championship game caliber. I agree it's not championship game caliber as we sit here on January 25th. Completely agree with that. There's a lot of potential on this defensive line. I think I think there's going to be a couple of guys that surprise some people. I'm not saying that they're going to be championship game caliber, but I do think this offense can score enough points to be championship game caliber. I do. I mean, we've seen it how many times, and Brian has echoed this, and we've talked about this a bunch. You need a good defense. You need a good defense. Now, Georgia has had a great defense and an offense that does whatever, you know, they they were very creative this year, I would say, offensively, Georgia was. I think Notre Dame can be that decent, that good on offense. I don't know that they're going to be that good on defense, but if you can score more points than the other team, that's what it's all about. And when you get to the playoff, that's what you need to do is score points. I think this team's going to be able to score points. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think, everything I see about this offense and what I know about Tommy Reese, what I know about Sam Hartman, the offensive line, the running backs, what I think I know about the wide receivers. I think this team can score points, Sean. I do. Yeah. I think that you just need to be good enough. You don't need to be elite from a defensive side. You just need to be kind of like top 25, top 30 in those key metrics defensively that we talked about last week, like stopping the run, total defense, you know, those kind of things and just what you're saying i think this is the reason they went out and got a sam hartman right so that the margin of error there's there's a much greater margin of error and everything doesn't have to be perfect to win every game because now you should be capable of scoring somewhere around Mm -hmm. 38 40 points per game when you when you have a quarterback with the experience of hartman so absolutely yeah I, i think that that he can. I mean, we all know what games it's going to come down to. And that's... <laughs> You're absolutely right. Basically You're absolutely what, you know, right. 
And is the defense good enough to stop Clemson? I think it is. Or at least yeah. slow them down. Is the defense good enough to stop Ohio State? I think that remains to be seen because we just don't know enough about what this offense, what that offense is going to look like, and who their quarterback will even and be. Who their quarterback, yeah, exactly. And that's that's the biggest thing that you know we just don't know, right? We'll know, we'll have a good idea going into that game because there'll be games under the belt of both teams. So you're absolutely right. It's going to come down to the three games, right? USC, Ohio State, Clemson. Those are the ones yeah. it's going to come down to. You know, we'll see. Logan says Hartman threw 14 and 12 interceptions his last two seasons at Wake. Would you predict over or under 10 Ooh. for the upcoming season? I mean, I think 10 is a really good number. Yes, I'll say so. this because of the running game and a much better offensive line that he's going to have here that he didn't have at Wake Forest. I think it's going to cut down. He's not going to have as many attempts and just, you know, naturally kind of by definition the more you put it in the air the more inter you know more chances for interceptions mm -hmm. that you have i think 10 is a really tough number though i i because i think it's going to be right around there i do too but but i definitely don't think he's going to be in that 12 to 15 no. range that that he's talking about like he was at wake forest because again he's going to have a, a better offensive line to pass protect him better as well as the running game is going to be much mm -hmm. better that he can lean on. And he didn't have those things at Wake Forest. Agreed. That's going to be the big difference. It's not all going to be on his shoulders. He's not going to have to force things. Right. And I think some of his interceptions from what I've been watching, you know, he's on top of the offensive line with that slow mesh. He's going to be able to be a little bit further back. He's going to be able to scan. You know, it's just, it's going to be different. And I don't see him forcing the ball like he had to do at Wake Forest. I just don't see it. So I will conservatively say under, but I think it's, like you said, I think it's a really, really good number. I think he's going to end up at about 8, 9, 10 in that neighborhood. So yeah. 10 is a really good number. I'll say under and hope for the best. Uh, I'm hoping that the, he's handing the ball off an awful lot towards the end of games. They're just icing the dang thing. I mean, but, they, you know, you know we'll he's see. also going to have a better defense, even if it's not yes. maybe going to be – elite is going to have a better defense than he had at wake i mean it was essentially like he had to go out and sling it quite right. a bit because they had to be a more wide open offensive type team because of what they were working with down there at wake forest right another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, I'll throw this women's basketball question in. There here. we go. Right now, kind of saved some of them. Salty, will Sonia Citron 
do the most on the team to fill in for Mabry's lost productivity. And I, you know, I realize a lot of people were down on Mabry because of her defense. She actually was a much better defensive player this year than she was given credit for. I mean, hell, on the play, she ended up injuring her it knee. Steal. It was a steal, and she was going for a bucket, you know, and the defender was trying to run her down. So, uh, and I think she had like five steals the game before that against Clemson as well, five of the 21 that Notre Dame had. But the answer to this question, I think that she's going to be the one, like, They'd wanted Citron to shoot a little bit more anyway. And, you know, I, I don't know if it, it was definitely cause and effect the other night, but she hit her first six three-pointers in that same game after Mabry's injury. She had 18 three-pointers made going into that game. She hit a third of that in that one game that night against Virginia. So, yeah, I think she's going to, but... You know, again, you'll probably see, well, you've got to see more K.K. Bransford. She's not a three-point shooter, so she won't be doing that. But I think the threes themselves, I think more of them will come from Citron, and you'll probably see more of Cass Prosper taking some shots as well. Because I've said since this happened that that her development is going to have to sort of uh, speed up now because she's 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 gone from a luxury – I think, to someone they're going to have to depend on a lot more without that extra guard who can shoot some threes. And Cass mm -hmm. can shoot some threes as well, but she can also play really good defense. Yep. So. And we have a men's basketball question from Irish Chi-Town. Who should replace Mike Bray after he retires? And I mean... Uh, this this is like, again, it's like shooting darts, man. Like I, It just depends on what direction... They want to go. What what direction does Jack Swarbrick want to go? Does he want to stay with the Mike Bray coaching tree? I don't know that that would be the greatest idea in the, on the planet. Does he want to go with an established head coach? Does he want to go with a young kind of up-and-coming head coach? I don't know the answer to that, and I don't know the basketball landscape from a coaching standpoint well enough to really answer it, if I'm being honest. I don't know what you have to say. Now, I mean, there are just – there's so many different ways you can go, you know, and I've used – the guy at Kansas State is an example right now. He was a, he's a you know he's like a a mid forties early fifties kind of guy, a career assistant. He was at Baylor on a really successful program at Baylor, and in his first year at Kansas State, they just beat Kansas last week, and now they're the number five team in the country. And he had to do a complete roster overhaul. So, I think there are a lot of really good coaches out there. I think sure. it's going to be what kind of style they want and sort of what they want, the philosophy, you know, like, has their standard changed? Like, is it just acceptable? Hey, get us to the tournament every other year, and we'll be fine with that, right. you know? It, it's it's just going to depend, you know, there's, again, that's, that's why the benefit of knowing that this is what Mike Bray is going to do, it gives you almost two full months, really, until the season ends, Am I right on that one? More than two full months, like two and a half full months, like when you get down to the final four, because again, that's where a lot of yeah. guys, you know, do their interviews and stuff like that is once you get to the final four, that's where the coaches convention and all that stuff is. So I can't tell you anyone specific, but, you know, I think especially once tournament time rolls around, that always seems to unveil some of the hot candidates as well. So sure. Yeah. I think they're going to have a pretty big pool. It is still an ACC team. And Mike Bray did show 
that you can have some success here. So it's it's just a matter of finding the fit. And, you know, like one of the names I saw Tom Noy throw last week was Rick Patino. And like, what would be what would that be like if Rick Patino <laughs> rolled into the dome and Rick Patino is coaching Notre Dame? You know, oh, and that's but that that's really all it is right now is, you know, again, like talking about your dartboard. All we're really doing is throwing darts yeah. at the board because there are so many names yeah. out there. And there's just I, I don't think there I would say that they are still probably in the early information gathering stage of, you know, like starting to look at some guys who could be some potential candidates. So I think it's way too early to talk specific names right now. Absolutely agree. And Digger's not going to be coaching at 81 years old. No, I don't think Digger's coming back. I don't think Digger's coming back. No, they, he's always at all the games, and they always put him on the Jumbotron or whatever, and he always he can barely move, it looks like, unfortunately. Yeah. And Bobby Knight was another suggestion. 82. He's 82. So. Yeah. Shaitan also wants to know if we can get Mike Bray. I mean, we can always give it a shot on the show. Yeah. So I would be surprised. We can do But you never know. All they can do is say no if you ask, right? Yep. <laughs> you got it. Oh, John, with two late buys, does this schedule set up nicely for a playoff run if we're 7-1 and one or 8-0 no coming off USC? It would set – I mean, they're not going to the 12-teamer this year, right? So it's still just the, the final four. Is Correct. that accurate? Okay. So yeah. – so one this, more year until yeah. they go to 12. So if this was next year, I would say, yeah, I think it sets up really nicely for them this year. I don't think it makes a darn bit of difference because if they make the playoff, they don't play until December 31st or January 1st or whatever, they're going to be just fine. So I don't think it has anything to do with the playoff, to be honest with you. Like uh, the buys, you mean, you don't think yeah. the buys have any, yeah, I, I really don't probably don't either. It's, it's just a matter of when, yeah. you know, and the buys stink. Here's it. My thinking, looking at the schedule, is you know, and we all know this this whole, you know, the ACC and the ACC schools tend to get the buys before Notre Dame and all that stuff. Even though Notre Dame keeps winning, yeah, it doesn't games. matter. But you know, like I think the basketball teams have been hosed recently by the ACC. It feels like the ACC is making a more concerted effort to stick it to Notre Dame even more, even though there's been some of that, I, you know, again, like I know the basketballs feel that, especially from the men's side over the years, like they've gotten no favors because of the whole, you know, Notre Dame football remaining independent. And when you look at, at where it is, you know, that Notre Dame wanted those buys in some different places, like the, like where NC state is would have been a good place to put the first one. But obviously, you've got an ACC game there, and the yeah. ACC dictated when yeah. that game. Yeah, it's an early played. ACC game too. Yeah, which I don't know. I'm not a big fan. And, and that's, that's my point. Yeah. And that's my point. Like, yeah, the ACC said no. That's that's not how we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, I agree. I, I don't think that there's probably a huge impact from the buys. I think it's more you know about win your games. It's just funny to me when yeah. people talk about Notre Dame's buys and how it's not fair that they have a, you know, teams have buys. But I mean, you think Wake Forest, do you think their fans are going to be like, it's not fair. Notre Dame's got to buy before they play us. I know. You know, it's like, it's not that big of a deal. 
I'm going to save right. this super chat actually for for rapid fire. Okay. I just saw the question. I was I, I actually only saw I saw the top. I thought it was just someone throwing us some cash, so I hit it and it was like, oh, there's an actual question there. <laughs> so <laughs> I want to think about that a little bit more. <laughs> Nick wants to know: Is it more attractive for the NFL for running backs? To be in a loaded backfield and have lower touches in college or have high production and more touches. If I'm an NFL GM, now I don't I can't speak for GMs in the NFL, right? Because God knows they, you know, what decisions they're making and why they're making them. But if I was an NFL GM, I would want the least amount of touches possible, but with proven production. So because again, there's a shelf life on running backs. I, I truly feel there are only so many carries in a running back, right? Yeah. So I want the least amount of carries possible, but you've proven to me that you can be productive in all the ways that I need you to be productive. But I got a bunch more, much more tread on the tires of that running back. So that's what I would look for if I was a GM. I don't want a guy that carries the ball 25, 30 times a game his entire career, and now he's going to the NFL. I would not yeah. want that. Yeah, and like – who was that a few years ago? Chubb and who the two guys at Georgia? Chubb and who is the other guy? Uh, Sony Michelle. Um, yeah, Sony Michelle. Thank you. Yeah, and they both ended up being drafted. And yeah, I I think as long as you're both producing and you're you know you're you're hitting the benchmarks that NFL teams are looking for, it definitely yeah. helps the player long term by not having as many touches. You might not be as high a draft pick, but most. Running backs aren't anyway, and even when you get to the NFL, you know it's still the trend to to split carries whenever possible, mm -hmm. and 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 not you know put all the wear on one guy and not have to pay one guy ultimately yeah. either. So, you know, as long as you can go out and run a good forty time and you're durable, and you know, like if you're in college and you're averaging around five yards a carry or better, you know, uh, I think that that goes a long way regardless of who you're, you know, splitting reps with. And it's like you go back to those early 90s Lou Holtz teams, you know, coming like championship era and into the 90s, like Ricky Waters was far from a big star when he was right. at Notre Dame, but look at what he ended up yep. once he got to the NFL. Because he had a ton of tread left on the carries. tires. Yeah. And he was right. playing a little wide receiver. So he wasn't he wasn't getting banged around as much. He played wide receiver early in his career. So he had a ton of tread left on the tires. And that's why he had such a long NFL career. Yep. Had a lot of juice left in him. Fortunately, yep. a lot of it was with the 49ers, but can't have everything. Correct. Um, have you seen any more that you definitely want to get to here, Vince? I can answer a couple of these really quickly. All right, you hit uh, it. Let's see here. Where was the one? I think I started, so I'm going to look there. There's a couple that I was, was definitely – Throwing okay, here in we there, go. You know, for this one. Yeah. Which Notre Dame football assistant do you expect to leave the program for a promotion Ooh, first? Man, I thought this was a good one. That's tough, just because like, who expected Taylor and McNulty exactly. to jump last year? Exactly. <laughs> you know? And if you go on talent alone, that that's the way I have to take this, right? You have to go on who we think is the best coach, right, or one of the best coaches. And I think if you do that. It goes down to two guys. I think it could be Mike Mickens, and I think it could be Brian Mason. If you're just talking about production and, and coaching, right? Or is it the obvious one, and you go with Tommy Reese, and he's going to leave for the NFL, right? 
I, I think you could go either way with these. I'll I'll go with Brian Mason. I think I as important as special teams are because they are incredibly important. I feel like he could get a promotion out of special teams to something else because somebody sees something in him. See, and to me, that's tougher just because it is special teams. Like mm-hmm. I have a hard time seeing like what what the natural next move for True. him would be unless he was going to be a head coach at a smaller school, maybe something yeah. like that. You know, sure. Um, I would even throw McCullough in yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Again, because of what we've seen production-wise from that room and the recruiting that he's been able to do in that room. And he's got the NFL experience and all that kind of stuff. So, and John Christophic says, Al Golden. And, you know, there was some interest in Al Golden going back to, you know, like going potentially like with the Cincinnati job when Luke Fickle left, but he decided to stay here. I think that I think that he could he could be a definite like that, that's a weird one because he he made the decision to leave the NFL after being there for yeah. what six years to come back to college like how long does he want to be a college coordinator before he thinks about maybe becoming a head coach again I sure. think that's really that's a really kind of curious one for me yeah because I think the Brian Mason one for me would be very similar to what the last special teams coordinator did at Notre Dame. He went straight from being special teams coordinator to being a head coach at Nevada. And obviously was true. Didn't do well there and came back to being the special teams coordinator at Notre Dame. But I think that's the natural progression. I, I, I could see him getting a head coaching job, you know, at a smaller school, right? Like a Nevada, for example. I could see that being the case, you know? Yeah. And the, the last one I wanted to throw up here. And this could be a quick one Okay, from Lucas. He says, which team aside from the big three of USC, Clemson, and Ohio State could pull off a victory over Notre Dame next season? I thought this was a good one because everybody's going to focus on those three, rightfully so. But to me, I think the next team on the list would be Duke. I think they return a lot. I think they got a really good head coach. I think they have an up-and-coming quarterback. I, I think you know, and it's going to be at Duke. So it's on the road. It's the week after Ohio state. We know what happened the week after Ohio state this past year. So (laughs) I'm going to go with Duke on this one. Yeah. Because it's at Duke and because of the year that Mike Elko had, I would not, excuse me, that would not surprise me as well. There aren't really any others that are jumping. Like I I looked at that NC state it's at NC state. They've got Brennan Armstrong and all that. Like Notre Dame didn't have to face Armstrong when they played at Virginia, you know, last year. So, you know, so that was one NC state was kind of up and down. A lot of it, I think maybe had to do with both, um, you know, Leary and, and his kind of up and down play, I think this year as well but those would those are probably the two because we're saying aside from usc clemson and ohio state those would probably be the two that jump out at me because they're both road games and they were both you know pretty solid teams this year yeah yeah i agree all right there's a few in here that i'm gonna mix in with rapid fire
Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, a company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid high amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself. With 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.